Well, today we are going to uh, continue uh, our study in 1 John, and uh, we're learning all kinds of interesting uh, things here. Uh, last time we were uh, talking about the, uh, the importance of focusing on and remembering, uh, indeed, the, uh, the appearing of Yeshua again, and how important a role that plays in our life today. That's what we talked about uh, last time, and uh, the, the, uh, the fact that that in and of itself is an assurance of our relationship with God, and it has also a transforming effect on us as well. And what he's doing here is he is reminding them, remember that he's writing this letter because something has happened, and that's something you always have to keep in mind in this book. This is not just, I think I'll write a letter of truth to this community, but he's writing it because something has happened, that people had come in and taught that Yeshua, uh, that the Messiah was not truly a human being. And if you remember, uh, we also said in regard, especially in that first chapter, that uh, evidently that sin was either non-existent or not important or which means, therefore, that following the word of God is not important. Because if a person doesn't believe that there is sin or that sin is important, that means that the other side of that coin is, is that there's no real authority, that it doesn't really matter. See, and, uh, and so he is answering them all through this letter and encouraging them because one of the questions that they had is, what about us? Uh, are we sure they were wrong and that we are correct? And Will this happen to us? And so he is responding to that. We always have to remember that here, okay? So then we have to ask ourselves, we're in chapter 3, beginning in verse 4. Well, if we put 3 and 4 together, we have to ask ourselves, what is the relationship between verse 3 and verse 4? What do they have to do with each other? So verse 3 is where we left off last time. And everyone who has put this hope, who has this hope fixed on him, purifies himself just as he is pure. See, there's a transforming effect. On, uh, on having, as we said last time, an eschatological or end-time view of, the, of Yeshua's appearance, not necessarily uh, this great speculation of, of all, you know, all that might happen, but focusing on Yeshua himself, see? It has a purifying effect on us, okay? Then in verse 4, everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. It's like, Wow, everything's great, and now we have this like big downer, you know, that uh, everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he's pure. And everyone who practices sin practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And then he goes on to say, and you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has seen him or knows him. Little children, let us let no one deceive you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin, because his seed abides in him. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. By this, little children, by this, uh, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. 
Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor the one who does not love his brother. Wow, those can be pretty depressing verses. I mean, if you, know, if you just read that, you might say, well, I am disqualified because I've sinned in the last 15 minutes. You know, I, I sin on uh, a semi-regular basis. It's not like, uh, you know, I think last Tuesday I sinned. But uh, now, I, I, you know, now I'm okay. So that's not me. But if we're all going to be honest with ourselves, we know that we do sin quite regularly. Okay? It's one of those things you can count on. Death, taxes, and sin. Right? No doubt about it. Okay. So then we have to ask ourselves this issue about... The one who practices sin practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And, you know, um, Yeshua took away our sins. There is no sin. Uh, the one who abides in him, uh, no one who abides in him sins, and so on. Now, there is the conventional answer that we all like to give to this passage that is true, but it's not, shall we say, true enough. <laughs> okay, this is very, very important, Okay. We are very good at looking at difficult passages and then deciding to take ourselves off the hook uh, by an act of, of grammar, okay? And so therefore, it's, it, you know, oh, it's okay, you know, because the grammar means that as long as I don't sin, it means that, uh, you know, no one who sins is a lifestyle. Uh, that's what it's talking about. And so since I don't do that, okay. Well, we're going to be challenged a little bit, I think. Uh, by this uh, by this passage, okay. So first of all, in verse four, notice everyone is a very important word here. By the way, everyone. So it's like you know, uh, it's like uh, a flat Earth, so to speak. Everyone is in the same boat, so to speak. So everyone who puts their trust in Yeshua and everyone who has their hope fixed on Him, everyone who's looking for Him, and that is the goal, the ultimate goal. You know, there is a transforming effect for anyone. doesn't matter uh, exactly, uh, you know, where you live or how long you've known the Lord or how many verses of the Bible you've memorized or, you know, any, any of that, okay? Uh, and, but then he uh, flips it over in verse 4. Everyone who practices sin practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Now, lawlessness here is a very interesting word, okay? John never uses that word except right here. Never uses it except right here. You see it several other places. Uh, uh, Paul uses it. Yeshua uses it, I think, once, I think. Paul uses it a couple, a few times. It means like, you know, a nomos, no law. Okay? So really what it means, uh, may I suggest, is not simply sinfulness. But rebellion, the, the word is tantamount to saying rebellion. Everyone who practices sin practices rebellion, and sin is rebellion. Now, it is interesting, uh, in Romans chapter 4, if you can follow me, Paul uses that word, and he is uh, actually, um, he is... Um, Taking that from the uh, text of the of the uh, Tanakh, okay, and when he uses in uh, chapter four of Romans, when he uses that word lawlessness, 
Okay, the Hebrew word is the word for transgression, okay? And when you look up in, a, uh, in your good lexicon, the uh, meaning of the word in 619, Romans 6.19, you look up that word in a Hebrew, it is pesha, which means transgression. And when you look that up in a lexicon, it will say the first thing is rebellion, okay? And so uh, the word uh, lawlessness, no law, rebellion, not, uh, not just breaking a law, we all break a law. Rebellion is no law. Rebellion is, there is no law for me. I don't care about it, you know, uh, any, uh, any law. Now, again, uh, let me qualify that by saying uh, that uh, means that I have no standard. We're not here talking about the veracity of Torah in a person's life, um, you know, different theologies in that regard, but having no standard of what is right. That basically I can do whatever I want. That's what lawlessness means. Okay? Uh, I can do whatever I want. Now, so when he says everyone who practices sin practices lawlessness, there is a difference between sinning, like, you know, uh, having a habit, for example. My guess is there's more than one person here that has a habit that is a bad habit and that we uh, have a really hard, that we break all the time. And that we, we don't like. We don't like that part of ourselves. And uh, we kind of have our act together with the Lord, except for this thing. Or maybe for some of us, there's more than one. And it plagues us, right? We confess so many times that, you know, we wonder, when is the last time? And then, of course, there's a great verse in the Bible. Yeshua said, always forgive. We always, how many, seven times, 70 times, forever, always, all the time we, we forgive. So he, we know that he forgives us each and every time, which is like beyond anything that we can actually relate to, okay? Uh, but, but getting back to it, that habit, that thing, that sin, and we come to verses like this, and my guess, if you've been around the block, if you are a professional sermon listener, right, as many of you are, many of you have gone decades, you are professionals and listening to sermons, falling asleep at the appropriate time, you know, and all that, right? But my guess is whenever you come to one of these verses of no one sins or no one that knows the Lord sins, you hear it is in the present tense, present in, in it's an, uh, an indicative verb. And so therefore it means regularly, all the time, presently, continuously, right? I think many of us sin continuously, but the difference is it's not lawlessness. If you sin and you are convicted of it, praise God. When you sin and you know that I have broken the standard that God has laid out for me, whether you're a person who, regardless of your theology of the Torah, if you know the Lord and, the, and you believe that the, you know, the, the presence of God dwells in you, the Ruach dwells in you, and you know that there is a right way to live and a wrong way to live, and you're desiring to please God, but you sin, and you have something, and you sin on this every day, and you confess it every day, and you feel guilty about it every day you confess it, that's not what he see. Lawlessness is the problem. But we must not take ourselves off the hook. By saying it's, you know, it means if that's my lifestyle. So it's not so bad if I sin, uh, if I have this sin that either it's periodic or regularly. But, and also on the other hand, don't view yourself as condemned 
also when you hear this, that it means sinning regularly. I don't know about you, but I, there have been times when I have heard the very, that very statement about the present tense of, of, uh, you know, of sinning, and I'm thinking, but, you know, I kind of do that. I sin all the time, right? And so the fact is, is that when you know the Lord, um, I know very few people that know the Lord that would ever, ever view themselves as uh, what we call antinomian, like no law, that there's no standard, no nothing. No. We all know is it, one of the signs of knowing the Lord is not only looking for his appearance, but also being convicted of sin. No matter how many times we sin, it's, it, it's very important. So one side of the coin is know that you belong to God. You are a child of God if you are convicted when you sin every single time, even if it's more times than you'd ever want to admit. God sees it all. But on the other hand, uh, recognize that don't settle for that. Do not settle for, I know that I know I'm only human and I have this nasty habit or a bad habit. And, uh, uh, and so uh, I, uh, 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 and I know that Yeshua has forgiven me because he came to forgive my sins. So it's okay. No, we should not settle for that. We sh- there should be a level of conviction on the other side of the coin. When we come to these verses, we, there should be a level of conviction and saying, I'm sinning too much. And pray about that. And do not settle for, uh, and, and do not settle for that. Okay? Uh, so this is very important. So when he says, everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. And sin is lawlessness. So when he says that here, here, yes, who practices sin in a way that, that is certainly, that is rebellion. He is not referring to, because we know from chapter 1, quite clearly, if we say we have no sin, we make him a liar. Quite clearly, right? Right. But he's answering a, uh, a challenge, uh, and that is that uh, sin means nothing. Okay. So everyone who practices sin, practices sin as a way of life, uh, practices rebellion, okay? Rebellion is when is transgression. Rebellion is no law. In fact, that's the word that Paul uses to describe the one who's going to come, uh, the man of lawlessness, so that certainly doesn't mean, you know, in, in uh, Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, that doesn't mean simply the man who sins, right? The man who does transgressions. When he says the man of lawlessness is the one for whom there is, there is, no, there is no judge. Because when there is no standard, just we become the standard. Whatever we think is right is the standard. And so we become, as it were, the deity. We become our own God serving ourselves. See? And so that's what he's referring to. He's not talking about issues of, do I sin once a day, twice a day, how often? But it has to do uh, with the sense of lawlessness, of rebellion, of where, where does my identity lie? And that's what he's going to unfold now. And you know that he appeared in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. Now, that appear, there's appear again. Now, it's very interesting. Wow, that's a nice effect. Let's not have it again. Okay. Uh, and you know that he appeared in order to take away sins. Now, appear is used uh, uh, up above here 
in referring to um, a, the future of when Messiah becomes visible again, when he, when he manifests himself again. And then it's used even about ourselves. I, I, when it says here um, in verse 2, Beloved, now we are children of God and it is not yet manifested what we shall be. Okay? And, but here it's referring to Yeshua coming uh, and dying for our sins appeared, manifested. And it's the very same word that's in chapter 1. In verse 2, and it says, And the life was manifested, and we have seen and bear uh, witness and proclaim to you the eternal life with, with the Father, and was manifested to us, appeared to us. He's again, <laughs> he's still making that case here in chapter 3. He was manifested. Yeshua came as a real human being. The deity manifested himself and fleshed himself, right? And, that, and so he manifested in order to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. Which basically is, is simply saying uh, here that uh, he's, taken away our, he's taken away our sins. We are no longer judged for our sins. So either uh, for you, recognize that yes, we still sin, but recognize that if you understand yourself as sinning, you are not lost, and sin is a real thing. So it's sort of like this, this balance. Sin is a real thing. It's not like it doesn't exist. So when you sin, don't, don't feel that now you're lost because you sin. And then on the, on the other hand, don't feel that it's okay and it doesn't matter. When you sin, you confess it. We, this is a very important issue. Here and uh, and we do that as hu real human beings, and so he says Yeshua came as a real human being, but he didn't sin, and he takes away all of our sins. He's saying all of this by way of assurance. You need to remember that when it says here, everyone who practices sin practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Remember, he's writing to he's writing to them so that we may know that we belong to him. So you don't want to come away from this saying, uh oh. You want to go away from this saying, yes, thank the Lord. I am not in rebellion. I may sin, but I am not in rebellion. I believe there is, and I get convicted about it, and I confess it. And that he's saying, you are a child of God. Okay? And then it says here uh, in verse 6, no one who abides in him sins. There he does it again. <laughs> no one who abides in him sins, and no one who sins has seen him or knows him. He is making this point, and my guess, this is a little rhetorical, that he's, he's challenging them and encouraging them, that you are not in rebellion, okay? You are not, you are, your identity is in Yeshua, not in your sin. Yes, you sin, but your identity is not in your sin. Your identity is in Messiah, okay? Uh, and again, uh, his desire is both for them to know that they belong to God even though they sin, yet they should not become complacent in it. So, this week I said to someone, your identity is not your... How do I say that? Uh, you, are, you are not defined by this thing. We're talking about something in particular in a person's life. You are not defined by this thing. 
you are defined by your identity in the Lord. But we all, in areas of our lives, sin. But we are not defined by sin. We are defined by our identity in the Lord. We abide in Him. So in that sense, may I suggest, when we, we abide in Him, and so in that sense, there is no sin. There is no sin in Him. Yet we do sin and we confess it because we live in this, we live in this life. You know, another way of looking at this is uh, when we think about the resurrection. Sort of a good, I think, a good analogy. None of us here have been literally, eternally resurrected. Every one of us in this room has the flesh, right? And we're getting older, whether we like it or not, right? Uh, and the day will come and we will die. But yet, we know that we are participating in the resurrection. We know that we have life forever, yet we are going to die, right? Uh, and that is, we are experiencing the, the, the future today. So, in a way, that is true when it comes to sin and our identity. That our identity is in Messiah. And, uh, and you know how it says just up above this verse, it says, um, uh, we know that when he appears, we shall be like, in verse, the end of verse 2, we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we, we will see him as he is. But we'll never be the Lord, certainly. We'll never be the enfleshment of God. But that purity, yes, okay? Uh, and so when he says... In him there is no sin. Our identity in him is the future identity in him. Yet we're still living in the flesh. And we still sin. Uh, and, uh, and we are not rebellious in the sense of there is no, no sin, but we confess it. We're acknowledging him as Lord when we sin and we feel guilty about it and we confess it. We're acknowledging him as Lord. We're glorifying him uh, in that way. Okay? So then he says, little children, let no one deceive you. See, that's a telltale sign. People have been trying to deceive them. Let no one deceive you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is, uh, just as he is righteous. Okay? So in other words, we know from other places, we don't have time to look at that. We, we know from other places that when we embrace Yeshua, his righteousness becomes part of us. He takes our sin on himself, but we become the righteousness of God, okay? In the very same way that we are now resurrected from the dead, okay? We are not literally resurrected. We are not literally his righteousness. We are not literally perfect, but we, that is our identity. Like, that's where we live, and sin should become more and more an anomaly, or at least something that we don't like anymore, and we're convicted about it, and we confess it. And we forsake it. And over time, we become more and more like Yeshua. Uh, and we begin to live these, uh, these changed lives. And the fact, again, I'll say it again, it's don't count how many sins you do in a day to say, do I, do I sin regularly? Do I practice regularly? No, but our identity is in Messiah. And we are not lawless. Uh, and, so, uh, and, and so, therefore... Uh, when we practice righteousness, we know that we are righteous because of him who is righteous within us. Okay? 
And so what he's, what he's also getting at here is that the way we live is very important. That's a, like sort of a sub-theme here. The way we live is very important. It's not just, I know that I have the righteousness of Messiah, and, uh, and I know that he died for my sins, so it doesn't really matter how much I sin because inwardly I have Messiah, Yeshua, and so it doesn't really matter. It matters. It does matter very much how we live our lives. Uh, we should never think otherwise. And uh, a few weeks ago, we turned to a number of verses that talk about the resurrection uh, and, uh, and, and about the importance of the one who lives righteously being resurrected. So living, a resur- living, that, living that life of righteousness because he is righteous is indeed very important. And it's very interesting. That is the word in Hebrew, tzaddik. That's a tzaddik. Right? A tzaddik is a righteous person, right? Uh, and when you look at uh, the opposite uh, of that, if you look, if you look like, for example, in Proverbs, where you have opposites, you know, the righteous is like this. The normal word, the often the word for a person who is described as righteous, the opposite is wicked. Not just somebody who sins, but wicked. You notice it's very interesting, especially once you start in like Proverbs chapter 11. That's where you have those Proverbs where, you know, the righteous lives this way, the wicked live this way. The opposite, okay? Uh, and, uh, and so that's uh, very important. It's not just a person who sins. But uh, he is saying that, uh, you know, as one of the great assurances of faithfulness to the Lord is walking in righteousness, so isn't it kind of interesting that he's mentioning here encouraging things so that they may know that they believe? And so he says, if you, are, if you have your eyes fixed on Yeshua, like that, that future, you know, I, that has a transforming effect, and that is an assurance that you know the Lord. If you I, uh, are a person who recognizes that... that uh, that you are not in you you do not believe in lawlessness, yet you sin, okay, and you're convicted about it. That's also an assurance of your uh, of your salvation, okay. Being concerned about sin, desiring to sin less, is an assurance of your salvation. Your identity in Messiah, seeing yourself as I, I belong to the Lord, yet I sin, but I belong to the Lord. And so my identity is my my identity is not sin. My identity is in the Lord. That is an assurance of uh, your uh, salvation, an assurance that you indeed uh, belong uh, uh, to God. Okay, and the one who lives righteously as you follow the Lord and resist that temptation, another assurance that you belong to God. And then he says, the one who practices sin is of the devil. I, I, and the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, that he might destroy the works of the devil. The one who practices sin. The one who identifies himself as one who is a sinner. The one who sins all the time. The one who just, this is who I am. You know, this is uh, my identity. And you can name the sin, whatever it is, the thing that, you know, whatever sin you do. If you say, that's who I am. Uh, and that's, you know, that's just uh, in my identity. That is not what he's talking about. But when he says of the devil, he's going back to the beginning. 
uh, you know, back to uh, uh, Breshit, back to Genesis and the origin of, uh, of sin and the temptation in the garden and the rebellion of uh, the man and the woman, you know, disregarding the word of God and believing in uh, the, uh, the enemy. And may I say, he's saying this also uh, as a point that they would recognize uh, that, uh, you know, sin is important. And so, therefore, you must indeed confess it. Uh, because they have been hearing that it is not, that there is no such thing. And so, no matter how you live. So, he's, he's like making this double point that, uh, that, yes, you do sin. And you know that you do, and because you know that you do, that is an assurance of your salvation, because you are not lawless, you are not indeed rebellious, okay? And, and you are not of the devil, sin is of the devil, you're not of the devil, you belong to the Lord. And so again, he is encouraging them, almost using an extreme to say, you, you know, you are of the devil. It's kind of an odd statement to make, frankly, you know? Uh, and, and so I think what he's doing is he's using an extreme to make, the, to make his point. That you know you're not, of the de- you're not of the devil. You belong to the Lord. These are people he calls little children. These are people that he knows. And so he's encouraging them that, that indeed you are not lost. Those people were wrong. That's why they left. And so he's making that point. And then he says the Son of God appeared again. He's manifested. He's... <laughs> I mean, if, if you don't learn anything else in 1 John, it's that the, the, the true humanity of the Lord is important for, for his finished work, okay? Uh, he appeared, and he's, again, he says it over and over again because what they've heard is that he did not really manifest himself, okay? So the Son of God was made visible for this purpose that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now, the works of the devil means a lot, but here it is sin, the power of sin, the uh, death and sin. Okay, that's what he's talking about. No one who is born of God practices sin. Again, he, how many times is he trying to make this point, right? He says it a million different ways. But now he says, no one who is born of God, no one who is a child of God practices sin because his seed abides in him. This is a fascinating statement. And he cannot sin because he is born of God. Again, part of it is rhetoric, okay? He's making a point to encourage them. But he says his seed is in you. Very interesting. Uh, that he is, that his very being is in you. And remember what we've said about eternal life, that the life of Messiah dwells in us. Eternal life is, again, not my own eternal life, not your eternal life, your eternal life. It is his eternal life that we participate in. So his life dwells in us. And so Satan and the Lord do not dwell side by side within us. He dwells in us. He who is in us is greater than he who is in the world, as he even says here. Uh, And therefore, our identity is in the Messiah. And in that, in his identity, true, we don't sin. Yet, as people of the flesh, we sin. Uh, and we confess it. But boy, we look forward to that day when our salvation will be completely worked out. When we shall be pure as he is pure. 
that that day is indeed coming. Remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 8, we groan. Yes, indeed, we ourselves groan, waiting for the redemption of our body. But we've been redeemed. But he's saying waiting for our redemption, right? And so we are, we are risen from the dead, yet we wait for the resurrection. We have no sin, yet we wait for that day when there will literally be no sin. But today, we are so thankful that we know that it's atoned for, and we confess that it's forgiven, and, it's, and we're cleansed, and, and, uh, and we're sealed to that day of deliverance, for, for He is holding us in the palm of His hand. And so that's how we live when we sin, when we live the presence of the future today. When we sin, it's by being convicted and confessing it. But our identity, again, is in uh, the Messiah. All right, so he makes that point of being born of God. And then finally, in the first part of chapter, of verse 10, by this the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God, uh, nor the one who does not love his brother. So this is very, when you get to the very end of verse 10, he's going to go, this is a theme now that he is going to talk about for a while. This specific act of loving. Okay, He's been talking in generalities until the very end of verse 10, and now he's going to talk about specifically our relationship to our brothers and sisters in Messiah. Okay, And so let us be uh, assured that yes, we are born of God. Yes, his seed dwells in us. We abide in him. Uh, His righteousness dwells uh, within us. We are not men and women of lawlessness. We belong to him. That's what he's trying to tell them, and that is true about us. We live in a very challenging world. And just finishing up right where we began, many of us have sins that we just can't get rid of, right? You know that, right? No matter what we do, we, uh, we pray, we have... Right? But you know, the, the, the wonderful thing is, A, that does not define who you are, and B, you confess it and you are forgiven and cleansed, and C, the Ruach HaKodesh dwells within you and is in the process of purifying you and sanctifying you so that we indeed do sin less. Right? And so uh, may we be able to walk with power in our relationship uh, with God, knowing that he really has embraced us and we really do belong to him. Uh, and there is no like gray cloud over, over my life. He really has accepted me in the beloved. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you, God, that sometimes we hear a particular theology and it, it just messes with us and causes us to wonder if we really know you or is there something wrong with me? Lord, I pray that we would be able to rest assured knowing that we are children of God. And going back to the first verse of chapter 3, that love that he has lavished upon us, that we have been adopted, that we belong to him by his initiative. Lord, may we appreciate that and may we just love you back. But may we get that, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we are tzaddikim in the sense that we believe in righteousness And we desire to live righteously. And when we sin, we confess it. Lord, thank you that our identity is in you and all that you are. I am not the sum of my sins. Lord, 
may we understand that and may we truly uh, believe and know that we are accepted in you. And we pray in Messiah's name.